Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. We believe this message will encourage you as you grow your faith and your relationship with Jesus. Grab your notebook and a pen as we get right into the message. All right, well, this morning we are going to wrap up a very short three-week series that we're simply talking about the vision that God's laid upon our heart for 20. 24. Now, I know that we still have a few weeks left of 2023, but how many of you know we've got a plan? We've got a plan ahead. We can't just kind of settle back. We can't just kick off into the recliner and call it good, but we've got a plan for where we're headed. In fact, the Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. Other translations say they stumble all over themselves. Never do I want encounter church to become guilty of stumbling over ourselves or even perishing in our approach because we have failed to plan and failed to pursue the vision that God has set before us. This morning, I'm so glad you're here. This is a vitally important message. You see, over the last three weeks, we're taking the time to discuss The what, the why, and the how of vision. We looked at the why week one. We talked about the paralyzed man that couldn't make it to Jesus. So what happened? His friends saw the need, and they carried their friend and laid him, brought him before Jesus, broke holes in the roof of the house, and lowered him in. Jesus spoke into the man's physical body, but also spoke to his physical body. We talked about the fact that here in Pettis County, there are 17,000 people that claim no affiliation with God whatsoever. That in Johnson County, where our Warrensburg location is found, there are 32,000 people with no affiliation with God, church whatsoever. In Benton County, where our Lincoln location is going to be, there are 10,000 people that have no affiliation with God whatsoever. A total of 59,000 people that if they were to die today, they would split the gates of hell wide open. That's the why behind the vision. That's the why behind the faith forward that God has called us to for 2024. Last week, we looked at the what. We discussed the fact that God is going to do some incredible things in and through this body of believers that we are looking forward to what God has in store, believing that some point of 2024, we will potentially have to go to three Sunday morning services for the Sedalia location, two for our Warrensburg location, We're also looking at a building expansion for Sedalia. We're looking at building on that direction. Now, unfortunately, that building won't go up in 2024. It's going to take some more time. It's going to take some preparation. It's going to take some planning. There's a lot of things that have to happen. We're probably looking a couple years out before we break ground for that new building. But do know that's coming. Our third, our fourth portion of the what is we're going to launch our Lincoln location. We're super excited about that. We're already making headway into that community. But today I want to look at the how. How do we accomplish these great tasks? How do we accomplish advancing the kingdom of God forward? How do we put our faith in motion to reach another community, to expand a building to go to multiple services in multiple locations. How do we accomplish such a task? So today, I want to challenge you to listen very carefully. 
Don't zone off on me. Don't tune me out. But listen very carefully and allow God to begin to speak into your heart. Those of you that are watching online this morning, I want to challenge you. Watch the duration of this service. Don't get caught up in a couple moments here or there, but watch the full service and let God speak into your life as well. And we're so grateful that you're with us today. All right, this morning, I'm going to use two different scriptures as our launching pad. I know it's a little unconventional to have two texts, but that's what we're going to have this morning as we look at the how of vision. Our first text is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Some of you know this scripture. Maybe you didn't know where it was found, but you've heard it before. It simply says, we walk by what? Faith and not by sight. Now, this is a little counter-Missouri-esque, right? Because here in Missouri, we're the show-me state. We walk by sight. We want to see it. It's got to be tangible. We've got to hold on to it. Let me see what it looks like. And once I see what it looks like, I'll decide if I want to dive in and be a part of it, right? Show me. Show me. Let me see. And then we'll discuss it a little bit more. But truth be told, our residency is not Missouri. Our residency is in heaven. And as Christians, as as followers of Christ, we walk by faith and not by sights. There's going to be moments when it just doesn't make sense. There's going to be moments when we can't wrap ourselves around it. But when we begin to get involved in the how of vision, that's where God begins to grow us. That's where our obedience begins to develop. That's where our faith is strengthened. That's where our obedience, our obedience to God begins to grow. And our heart for the lost gets larger and larger and larger. Did did you know that as Christians, we're not called to be self-absorbed? That's right. Sorry, I was waiting for a response. Nobody gave it to me. We're not called to be self-absorbed. We're not called to focus in on ourselves. We're not called to say, what's in it for me? We are called to reach the lost. We're called to go to the broken. We're called to make an investment so that the 59,000 people that have no affiliation with God whatsoever have an opportunity. Come on, listen to this. We are not responsible for their response, but we're responsible for our level of obedience. Come on, let me say that again. We're not responsible because sometimes we come up with this excuse. Well, I don't want to say anything because they may deny me. I don't want to say anything because they may reject me. I don't want to say anything because it may upset them. We're not responsible for their response. We're completely responsible for our level of obedience. Because anything short of obedience is disobedience. Come on, think about that just for a moment. There's not this level of obedience. Well, I I somewhat obeyed God. No, 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 no. You either do or you don't. 
It's either I'm all in, I'm moving faith forward, or I'm going to sit on the sidelines and let the world pass by. I'm either going to get involved and be a part of what God's called me to do, or I'm going to miss the boat and miss my responsibility and miss out on what God has called for my life and for the life of this church. The second text is this. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. Now, why did I include that in there? Because we got to remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, these aren't my words. These aren't Pastor Ryland's words. These are the words of our Savior. Jesus said, the one that gave himself on the cross of Calvary, said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, two words that I want us to really look at. Number one is the word blessed. He said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Does that mean that because we give, we're going to be filthy rich? No, that's not not what it's saying. Oh, we'd love it to say that. I mean, many of us in the room, we would give a lot more if we had this expectation. I'm going to be filthy rich if I give in the offering. But we don't live by this naming and claiming stuff. That's That's not what we do. That's not what we're about. We give out of obedience to God. And because of our obedience to God, there's a blessing that follows. The word blessed, literally, according to the original Greek, it simply means this, happy. You're happiest in your life when you're a giver. Jesus says you will be happy when you come to the place of life that you put yourself aside and begin to give beyond yourself in order to invest in the life of somebody else. Well, you guys are quiet today. more blessed to give than it is to receive the the second word is this the word give give according to google simply means freely transfer the possession of something to someone it's willingly giving something that you own something that's in your possession passing that on To somebody else. If you go back to the original language, it simply means to reach out or to present. In other words, I'm intentional in my approach. I don't accidentally fall into this mindset of giving. I don't accidentally give so that somebody else can come to know Christ. I'm intentional in my efforts. I'm intentional in my pursuits. Giving is simply an act of dedication, saying to God, Lord, I need you more than anything else. I depend upon you. And guess what, God? You can depend upon me. Can you honestly say that today? Can you honestly say, Lord, I depend on you and you can depend on me oh it'd be real easy for me right now to say everybody repeat after me and we all say these words 
But I wonder, is that what our heart is truly crying out? Lord, you can depend upon me. Lord, whatever you need, God, whatever you desire, Lord, I make myself available to you. You see, giving is a demonstration of God's heart in us. See, the how of vision all comes back to this idea of giving, giving of self. There's over 100, I think 127 volunteers every week that give of themselves just to make service happen at our two locations. Isn't that incredible? I think like 40 people showed up Thursday night to give of themselves. And I'm telling you, that's hard work. I mean, we're sweating, our sweat's sweating when we get done with Convoy of Hope sorting that stuff. But what a blessing it is to give of ourselves, to give back. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. But we're also talking about giving financially, of saying, Lord, I want to leave a legacy. Last year, we talked about the difference between leaving a legacy and being a legend. And some people, they want to give a large amount so they can be a legend. If I can just do this, if I can just give this and pour that out, then I'm going to be a legend. Everybody's going to remember what I've done. But truth be told, everybody will remember for a season of time. But sooner than later, they won't remember who you are. Right? We've, we've all been there. We've had those moments in life when, when we were kind of the one that everybody knew You'd walk around town, you'd walk around a community, and everybody's like, hey, I know that person, and they call you by name. But then you'd go back years later. I had that in my hometown, small town community. I went back several years ago, and see, when I grew up there, when I taught there in the public school, everybody knew who Mr. Gray was. Everybody knew who I was. I couldn't go to the grocery store without somebody seeing me and knowing who I was. I went back a few years ago to help out with something in the school, and I walked into school, and the lady sitting at the desk, her first question was this. Yes, can I help you? Who are you? And my first thought was, seriously? You don't know who I am? No, I didn't think that. No, it had been like 20 years since I had been in that school. See, it's one thing to to have this goal to be a legend. But I'm not as concerned about being a legend as I am leaving a legacy. Of doing something that will not make a name for myself, but will leave a legacy that creates a change in the culture that draws people to a relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, that's the heart of Encounter Church. Lord, help us to leave a legacy greater than ourselves so that future generations, future generations will know of the good things of God. Future generations will embrace the good things of God. Church, it's our responsibility to leave this legacy, to make an impact for the kingdom of God, to allow God's heart to be demonstrated through our lives. So I guess we've got to define what is God's heart. I've said this before, but let me just remind you, God's heart is that of a giver. 
How do I know that? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, he gave. Come on. God so loved the world, a world that's messed up. It doesn't say God so loved the church. It doesn't say God so loved the believer, the Christian. But God so loved the world. That he gave. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God so loved that he gave. God gave us his heart. He gave us his life. He gave us a way out of sin. He gave us Jesus. He gave us salvation. He gave us hope. Now it's our responsibility. He desires that you and I, his church, his followers, the vessel which he uses to reach the world that he loves, it's our responsibility to give in response. Now understand something. We're not earning or paying our way to a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's not how it works. A relationship with Jesus is a free gift. Remember the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is what? Eternal life. How? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. We can't earn our way. I I can't get out my checkbook. Some of you are like, I don't even know what that is. I can't get out my debit card. And there's not a spiritual ATM that I can swipe and God says, hey, today if you'll give such and such, you will receive eternal life. But if you give more than that, you're going to receive in greater life. No, that's not what this is. Our giving is a demonstration of the heart of God working through us the vessels that he chooses to use. So today, for the next few moments, I'm going to look at three truths regarding generous giving three truths regarding the how of our vision number one is this it's a response to yesterday's blessing let me ask you a question have any of you been blessed in life oh now we could all we could all sit here today and say well i could use a little bit more I had somebody last week say, you know what? If I just had money, I'd be happy. Do you know what? That's not how that works. Because you have more money, you get more stuff. You get more stuff, you got more problems. You got more problems, there you go. You get more money, you start accumulating stuff to impress people you really don't even like. Let's just be honest. Money, the accumulation of stuff is not the answer. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks. But today, I want to look at our response to yesterday's blessing. Look what it says in Psalm 116, verse 12. It says, what can I give the Lord for all the good things he has given to me? What can I return to God for all the blessings that he's poured upon my life. This is the moment of extending the heart of gratitude back to God. It's saying, Lord, I realize that I wouldn't even be alive if it weren't for you. Some of you can relate to that. Lord, I would be in a world of mess if it wasn't for you. I wouldn't have my health. 
I wouldn't have my family. I wouldn't have my career. Lord, I wouldn't have anything if it wasn't for you. So, Lord, I'm willing now in this moment to give back to you out of this heart of gratitude. You see, every time you give, you're showing the Lord how grateful you are for what he's done. You're returning this heart of gratitude to the one that trusted you in the first place. You see, we're not just recognizing the source of our income. We're recognizing the superiority of God in our lives over our income. He's the source of life. He's the source of our abilities. He's the source of our income. And we give to him. We put him first place and it demonstrates this heart of gratitude now now look what paul says to the church in corinth and those of you that are watching online i want you to read along with us today he says in second corinthians chapter 8 verses 7 through 9 he says since you excel in so many ways in your faith your gifted speakers your knowledge, your enthusiasm, your love for us, I want you also to excel in the gracious act of, say it with me, giving. You excel in so many things. But I want you also to excel in this gracious act of giving. He goes on in verse 8 to say, I'm not commanding you to do this. But I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Now, towards the end of that, he's not talking about making us financially rich. He's talking about making us spiritually rich. Jesus gave it all. He gave up his place in heaven, came to this earth as a child, growing to a, an, an adult, dying on a cross, so that you and I could have hope, a future. In fact, the Bible says he knows the plans that he has for us, not destruction. But yes, hope and a future. And that's all because Jesus was willing to give. And now Paul looks to the church in Corinth and he says, I want you to excel in this gracious act of giving. God says our giving proves our love. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, often referred to as the chapter of love or the love chapter, Paul is writing again to the church of Corinth and he says, you can give everything you have to the poor. But if you have not love, you've gained nothing. See, there's this connection between love and generosity. You can have love all day long, but if you're not demonstrating it here, there's going to be a void or a missing piece in your love. You can give all day long, but if you're not giving with love, you're giving with personal gain, and you've missed the mark. There's got to be a marriage between the two. No matter what we say, no matter what we do, 
our money demonstrates what we really value. We often say it this way, put your money where your mouth is. What we don't realize is that God really does not need our money. What he seeks is our obedience. He's not impressed with the big dollar marks. He's just looking for the obedience. Do you remember the story of the poor widow? Jesus saw her coming into the temple and all the rich people were giving massive amounts of money and she gave out of her little, she gave two coins. Not amounting to much. But that's what caught the eye of Jesus. You see, there was that balance of love and generosity. The second truth is this. It helps us keep the right perspective. Do you ever become guilty of losing perspective? Yeah? Absolutely, every one of us do. The Bible goes on in 2 Corinthians verse, or chapter 8 to say this. Here's my advice, Paul says. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Wives, do not nudge your husbands right now. Some of you wives are going, honey, I've been telling you it was going to come up in a sermon. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. I got a little further in a project yesterday that I started six months ago. More of the landscaping bricks are moved. It's okay. We're making progress. Okay, now I'm off that. Let's move on. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, here's where they started. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give. And you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Let your eagerness, eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if, it is, if you give it eagerly. How often we start with good intentions. We come out of the gate raring to go. We're eager, we're running hard, but sooner than later, the race gets a little long and we get tired. A couple of years ago, I bought a new bicycle. I have real plans to ride a bike a lot. Um, but I got this bicycle, rode it a couple times in my subdivision, realizing there's too many hills. So some of the guys... Some of the guys wanted to go to the Katy Trail. I thought, that's a great idea. That's nice, smooth surface. So we got on the Katy Trail, and they ride the Katy Trail a little more often. And I'll be honest, I didn't fess this up in the moment, but I'm confessing it right now. Um, we got going a little ways, and I'm like, I'm going to die right now. Even so, Lord, come quickly. Because I'm not going to be able to finish it. I'm just going to pull over to the side. I'm going to lay on the side of the road like roadkill. Um, somebody will come by and help me. Um, there will be a miracle service. It's going to be great. But I'm not going to make it all the way to the end of it. I think I kept saying, how much further are we going? <laughs> oh, we start with great intentions, don't we? I had the bike. I had my fancy little helmet. I was ready to go. Helmet, that's a whole other conversation. I never wore a helmet as a kid. Look at me today. Anyway, let's move on. I wore a helmet on the Katy Trail. All right, so we start with really good intentions. We have really good plans, but sooner than later, we just get tired. We lose focus. We lose sight of the finish line. 
Paul says, I'm going to challenge you today. Finish what you've started. And I look at that and I realize that God has put some incredible God-sized plans, God-sized dreams in our path as a church. We talked about it moments ago in the spring of 2024. We are launching our third location in Lincoln, Missouri. We're so excited about that. But we look at this and we realize there's a cost to moving forward. There's a cost in following this plan. There's a, a cost in following through with the intentions that we have. There's cost of the building. There's cost for utilities. There's cost for staffing, for events, for the build-outs. Listen carefully. In 2 Samuel chapter 24, we read that David was preparing to build an altar to the Lord. But here's the problem. He didn't have the land to build the altar on. So what did he do? Well, the owner of the property was willing to give David the land. He said, you know what, David? You can use the land. King David, you can use the land to build the altar. It's yours. But David made a statement I think each and every one of us today need to grab a hold of. Those of you that are listening at home today, listen very carefully. I believe that God wants to speak this into our lives. 2 Samuel 24, 24. David says, I will not offer the Lord my sacrifice that has cost me nothing. I will not offer to the Lord my sacrifices that cost me nothing. There's going to be a cost to reaching the 10,000 lost people in Benton County. There's going to be a cost in reaching the 17,000 people that are lost in Pettis County. There's going to be a cost in reaching the 32,000 people in Johnson County that are lost without Jesus. But like King David, I'm not willing to offer God a sacrifice that costs me nothing. See, Jesus demonstrated the price of giving it all when he climbed on the cross. We have a responsibility to give back to God. Yes, there's cost for more services. There's cost for a building expansion. There's cost in leasing a building, the potential to buy down the road. There's cost, there's investments that we've got to make to build out, to take that, that former building with nothing in it, empty space building, and make it look like a church. I'm asking you today, will you make an investment? Will you make an investment in the 10,000 people that are lost without Jesus. Listen carefully, this is not just, again, I say it again, I'm gonna say this a lot, this is not just a Sedalia location calling from God. It's not just a Warrensburg location calling 
from God. It's not just for those that are watching online today, but this is an encounter church vision, a calling that God has placed upon each and every one of our lives to put our faith into motion, to move faith forward in the pursuits. God's speaking to some of you today. See, if we want to advance forward, if we want to go faith forward in this new launch, it's going to take some investment. God's speaking to some of you. Some of you could write a check for 100 bucks. Some of you could write a check for $1,000. Others of you could write a larger check, $10,000 or even $100,000. You could write a check today to make this investment so that we could reach the 59,000 people in the surrounding area. Why am I talking about this? Because that's the heart of God. For God so loved the world, he gave. Now, here at Encounter Church, we don't have sermons on giving a lot. Maybe once a year we'll take a moment. But did you realize that Jesus, in the word of God, Jesus talks about giving more than anything else? Yet for some reason as a church, we push back from it because we're afraid, well, how's somebody going to respond? Well, guys, listen carefully. As your pastor, I've got to be careful to make sure that I teach all of God's word. And part of God's word talks about being a giver. For God so loved the world, he gave. That we are to give generously. So today, I want you to grab a hold of this. God's speaking into some of your lives today to be a part of advancing the church forward to reach the lost. So look at our third truth. It requires a step of faith. If we're going to move forward, it's going to require a step of faith. I'm going to be honest with you today. As I was seeking God for 2024 and and what he had for the church, I was really asking God for a a theme for the year, and I was hoping deep on the inside that it was one of those cool buzzwords like intentionality, right? Or or, motivation, something would get us really moving, but the phrase that God gave me was faith forward, and I'll be honest, I was a little scared at that point. Because when, when we have to engage our faith, that means it's not going to be easy. Oh, come on, you guys are quiet. I, I said it last week. It doesn't take faith to celebrate something that's already happened. It takes faith to see to fruition something that we can't even imagine coming to fruition. It takes faith to engage ourselves together, to move forward, to launch a church in a community that doesn't have an Assemblies of God church. It takes faith to start that thing from ground up. It takes faith to build a a new building. It takes faith to move from two services to three services. Or for Warrensburg, from one service to two services. It takes faith. So as we look at this idea of moving forward in this vision that God's given us, we realize it's going to take great steps of faith in order to accomplish. But we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, again, Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, and he says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds We'll get a small crop. That makes sense. 
My grandpa was a farmer when I was growing up. Actually, he had moved into town. He had been a farmer. He moved into town. He turned his entire neighborhood into his farm. Like every one of his neighbor's backyards, five neighbor's backyards, now became grandpa's in-town farm. It was amazing. But I, I realized the more seeds you plant, the more plants you get. And here the Bible says the farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to buy more stuff. Is that what it says? No. That's what we love it to say. Man, I want to have more money so I can buy more stuff to impress more people that I really don't like. Yeah, come on. Uh, You guys are all spiritual. Like, I like everybody, Pastor. Okay. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Paul challenges the church here. He says, if you, if you give little, you're going to get little. If you plant little, you're going to receive little. Your crop is going to be small. And in chapter 8, he reminded them to excel in the act of giving, the gracious act of giving. And I believe that that's where God wants each of us to be. So as we wrap up this morning, I want to share with you five levels of a giver. I shared this with you last year, and I want to remind you of those. Just going to touch on them, and we're going to move on. The first level is the potential giver. And every one of you in the room can relate to one of these. Those of you that are watching online today, you're going to be able to relate to one of these today. I want you to identify where you relate. And the goal today is not for you to go from one to five. The goal for you today is to say, Lord, how can I progress one step up? God, how can I go from a one to a two or a two to a three or a three to a four or a four to a five? God, how can I move forward in the faith that you've laid before me? Take a look. Number one is the potential giver. This is that individual that's never given back to God. They've never dropped a dollar in here or a dollar there. They may have bought a coffee in the lobby, but they've never given anything in the legacy giving before. Oh, they've got a job. They've got the potential, but they've yet to follow through. The Bible tells us to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. If I can get a keyboard or somebody up here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. If you have not been giving before, this is your year. Say, Lord, what would you have me to do? Lord, how can I leave a legacy greater than self? The second level is the emerging giver. This is that person that periodically throws a a $20 bill in or a $5 bill or maybe the change that's in the bottom of your pocket with the pocket lint with it and you put it in there and and you give it every once in a while. There's no consistent giving, but you give from time to time. You understand the idea of giving. You know that God wants you to give, so you give a little bit here and a little bit there. You're kind of an emerging giver. I want to challenge you today to create a habit 
of gratitude, of giving back to God, a habit of consistency with God. Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The word heart here literally means the center or the seat of your spiritual life. Where your treasure is, what you value, there the very center or the core of your spiritual life will be also. Our third level is that consistent giver. Maybe that's you today. Maybe that's you. Those of you that are watching online, maybe this is you. You're a consistent giver. It's maybe 2% of your income or maybe 5% of your income. You're consistent with your giving. Whether you're at church or not, you still make sure that your giving is there. But you haven't yet come to that place of the tithe. Now, the tithe, we'll talk about in just a moment, is 10% right off the top. That's what God's called us to do. But I'm proud of you. You're a consistent giver. You're faithful to God. You're being obedient and you're giving regularly. But what would it take for us to move to that fourth level? This is the tithe giver. The Bible says in Malachi chapter 3, bring all the tithe to the storehouse. The storehouse will be the church. This is the storehouse. So there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's army, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. This is the only place that God says, test me. He says, if you'll begin to tithe, if you'll begin to be consistent with 10% of your income right off the top, before you pay bills, before you give to Uncle Sam, God says, would you test me and see? I'm going to show up. You'll have enough and more than enough. Now, I don't know about you, but there have been moments, and I've heard stories, people are giving to God and not sure how it's going to work, but they get to the end of the month and somehow God made it work. God's faithful. He will show up. But some of you have been givers. You've been tithers. You've been consistent for many, many years. But you feel like that's kind of the the landing point. But did you know that the tithe is really the launching pad? It's the launching pad of generosity. So the question that we really should ask is, God, what do you want? God, what do you desire? What does God want me to give from what he has given me? Maybe that's you. Maybe you need to ask God, God, what's next? God, do you want me to give 11%? God challenged my wife and I last year to, actually the last two years in a row, to increase about 1% each year. God, what's next? 11%, 13%, 20%. God, what would you have me to do? That leads us to our fifth level, the legacy giver. This is giving above and beyond. This is saying, God, I make myself the resource that you've given to me. Lord, I make them available to you. Now listen carefully, church. Again, this is not about 
going from one to five. This is saying, Lord, I want to come into this area of consistency. Maybe, maybe you've never given. It, it, it's a matter of saying, God, I want to begin to give. Maybe you've been giving, but it's not a tithe, and you want to move up. What does that look like in your life? Proverbs 11 says this, the world of the generous gets larger and the larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. That's legacy. That's the heart of God. But I want you to hear my heart today. What we're talking about really is not about money. It's about a principle for every area of your life. What would you like God to bless in your life? Your relationship? Put him first. Your career? Put him first. Your health? Your hobbies? Your finances? Put him first. Truthfully, God blesses whatever he's put first in. He's not interested in the leftovers. He wants your hearts. Would you pray with me today? Lord, right now. Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. We pray that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to you.